You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikenna Okeke of the Father's Church. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill your purpose and live that life that God originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. Two Sundays ago, I started looking at do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And I believe that is essentially what the Spirit of God is still doing for us with the things we are considering. And I want us to be, please, very prayerful about these things. Don't just, even though already from what we are hearing, the Holy Spirit is ministering to different people in their different situations. But let's take it to prayer so that it becomes a tool for transforming us. Something came to my mind, and I call it the Christian success checklist. Okay, Christian success checklist. That is what, I mean, is there. And um, from what we are learning, we can see that it's not that. So the first one we say is um, Christian success checklist. Health, isn't it? Divine health, plenty of money, plenty millions, <laughs> marriage, isn't it? Children, house or houses, beautiful houses, Babylonian clothing, nice, you know, big cars, isn't it? If I forget any, remind me. Uh, you know, fine face like Ray. Did they with this your part here? You know? <laughs> um, find her like mommy Chison. Praise the Lord. I mean, just these are things that when you look, you see success, isn't it? And even in the church. But two were even added for me. One is attending a big church. I'm telling you, Christian success checklist. You can't be attending. We church. The first, I've never heard it. I've never heard of it. Immediately it deflates you, isn't it? Or worst case, your pastor. Who's the, your pastor? Is it which network is he on? Three four one or three four four or three four? Where? Which station does he preach? Your pastor is not on TV. Your church is not known. You're a failure. Christian success check. I mean, this is what people are adding to their shoulders and moving around. In my church, we are 20,000. That will bring me closer to heaven. My pastor is on television. That will bring me closer to heaven, isn't it? My house is in Asokoro. That will bring me. These are words, unfortunately, have been made to become a Christian success checklist. And all prayers are geared towards this. No wonder the Bible says many of our prayers are amiss. Many of our prayers. Because even the pastor himself is praying for this. The people also are praying for this. So sometimes innocently, you want your pastor to be big, to be known, to be seen, so that when you mention his name, the other people will concur that where you're going is a general, not sergeant. How can you have a pastor? Your pastor is a sergeant in the Lord's army. Meanwhile, my pastor is a general. These are issues that, you know, we face. 
This is our world. This is the Christianity we live in. But stars and mass, you and I know that all of that is the world's standard that we're just trying to mimic. In the world, numbers matter. In the world, popularity matters. In the world, fame matters. All of that matters. But with Christ, the Bible says, the things which are highly esteemed amongst men say they are nothing before God. And the earlier you and I begin to change our minds concerning these things, the sweeter life will become for us. Because already now you're trapped because you have begun to know the truth. So even in your moments of struggle, you know, you struggle with it. The truth that is in you won't let you just move away. But some, to some people, they don't understand. They actually come, they like the place, but they mention to a few people, ah, my pastor is this, I don't know him. They say, I let them go back to the one they know. Praise the Lord. So there's nothing wrong with a big church. There's nothing wrong with a church of 50 people. What matters is, is Christ being formed in you where you are. Praise the Lord. Now, the other things we mentioned, the marriage and all of that, they're all good. The Bible says it's the Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. Even though most times I quote that when I mention kingdom, I'm thinking of this checklist too. And today, when I was reminded of it, the Lord said, but it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, not to give you a house, car, marriage, and all of that. But there's nothing wrong with them because it says he will not withhold any good thing from us. Praise the Lord. So having said that, you know, as background to just what we're learning so that we can see what the reality is on ground and begin to, you know, receive grace to change. The truth is this, God indeed gives these things to his children. But like we've learned on Sunday, he gives it to everything he created. So I don't know, but if my wife gives me the same thing, she gives uh, Dick and David, gives Daniel, gives Jide, you know, praise the Lord. I won't be happy, no matter how I liked it before. Praise the Lord. No matter how whatever it was, was dear to me before. If I've seen that she's giving the same thing to the giving to pastor, giving to everybody, I won't be happy. I'll just be waiting. When you finish, which one is special to me? Are you with me? Now, in the same vein, if unbelievers are married, if unbelievers are having children, if unbelievers are building big houses, if unbelievers are becoming popular, even churches now invite popular unbelievers to help them to become popular. If all of that is happening amongst unbelievers, then why would you want your God, the one who loves you, to also honor you with the same thing he's giving everybody? You, if you do that, you're, you're cheapening yourself. Whatever this God gives to the world, because I'm his son, because you're his child, you should have something that the world can get from God. Praise the Lord. It's simple. Simple logic. So if marriage is such a big thing that I have to hold God to, then, I mean, he's giving it to people that are, you know, behaving anyhow. Why should I be jumping now that finally he's giving me what he's giving uh, all kinds of people? Praise the Lord. If getting a jet is a confirmation that God loves me, then I must explain how he loves all the other people who hate him and who are even Satanists who are receiving jets. If it's a big house, if it, are you getting my thinking now? So if that be the case, then all those things must not be his special gift to me. 
And that's why we're learning what we're learning. So that you and I can distinguish, value, and celebrate his special gift to us. Praise the Lord. Now, however, when God gives those things to his children, what then does it imply? Why is it some of us have it, some don't have it? Let me tell you why. Because, like we've learned, they're not necessarily the measure of his love towards us. They're not. They're not. So what are they? Let me tell you what they are. I'm talking to Christians now. To you and I, they are indications of his assignment, calling, and purpose for our earthly sojourn. Are you getting it now? Are you getting where I'm going now? So God might really have someone here own a private jet in the next two years. Amen. Why not? God, I mean, praise the Lord. The year has ended. We, we might have someone here, a man will find you and say, Pastor, if you don't wed me to this girl, this, I will be sleeping in, in your gate until. You see, that might happen. But why will those things happen? It won't be a measure of his love. It will be an indication of his assignment for your life. Are you getting what I'm saying? It will become an indication showing you that this is the plan I have. So when Esther won the beauty contest and won the king's heart, it was not so that Esther would go and be sending on uh, Instagram and Facebook, the hottest, the hottest, the hottest. Eh? No, it was because God needed to save the Jews. Are you getting it now? So all that plan, all that game that they played, God said, Esther, okay, um, what are we going to do? Esther, you're going to go there and you'll become the queen, and then I'll tell you what you'll do. So when Mordecai came and told her, and she was not buying it immediately, Mordecai reminded her, this is why you won that beauty contest. So every good thing in this world is an indication given to you. You're beautiful, you're handsome, you're rich, you're intelligent, you're occupying a place of power, a place of authority, you know, you can sack, you can employ. All of that does not imply that God loves you more than the other person. It just means that this is your assignment. And because we don't understand it, many people miss their assignments and end up in life frustrated. Do you know that Solomon would have been an instrument for extreme evangelism with his prosperity? But what did he do? Instead of spreading the knowledge of God, <laughs> he was bringing the knowledge of Solomon. Every place you pass, say, ah, Solomon has wife here. Solomon has wife. I'm sure he must have married even from uh, Ajokuta. 1,000. I mean, look at the coverage. But God gave him the wisdom, gave him the prosperity. And the moment you don't use what God gave you to do what he gave you to you for, you know what's going to happen? It's going to turn around and become a snare. So prosperity, God will prosper his people. He says the cities will what? Through prosperity, spread abroad. But when he prospers you, if you don't understand what it's for, you will abuse it. Because it's going to be there and you'll be wondering, what will you do with it? And the enemy will suggest to you. And once you enter it, that's it. That's how Solomon, a man beloved of the Lord, could end up the way he ended. Because he didn't understand. So we learn this thing so that as we're learning this, we're not saying all these things are bad. No, they're not bad. We're just going 
into the real thing, the deeper things, the distinguishing things. Praise the Lord. So wisdom, excellence, which, you know, God gives people with unusual, uncommon intellect. Such wisdom that when you speak, your colleagues won't be able to talk again. Why does he do that? So that when you're walking in the office, you'll be walking like this. No. He gives you that so that you have a hearing. When you now present the testimony of Jesus, it's easy for them to hear you. When you now carry yourself in that same office in humility, those who are not half as smart as you, who are proud, will be wondering what is different in you. But when God makes you extremely smart in the office, and you now elevate yourself to the group of the smart, and don't fellowship with the lowly, you miss the reason why he made you that. Are we getting it? So God gives all these things to us, but when we see them as measure of success, abuse will be inevitable. But when we are seeing it from this light, so it's not, not, we're, we're not the, the, the word of God is not against these things. It's, you understand that when it comes, that's why when David, the Bible talks of David and said, when he had settled into his throne, what did David ask? He sent and he said, is there any of my master Saul's family that is still alive? Can you imagine that? This is the person that was trying to kill him. You know what? He knew that God put him in that position. In fact, he could have asked the same question so that he would kill them all completely. But he was asking the question that he might do what? That he might bless them. Why? He saw himself as an agent of God. I pray that God will bless you. Being agents of the Most High God. That God will increase you. You will be strong. You will be intelligent. You will be sharp. You will be prosperous. And you will function in the purpose for which God has created you for. He says we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works, which were ordained, prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. So that's what it's for. In that case, brothers and sisters, if I now don't have it, should it bring depression? It's assignment. Now you and I, as children of God, we have different assignments, but it's not our inheritance. In your inheritance, the Bible says you have been blessed with every blessing, every spiritual, in heavenly places in Christ. You're rich beyond comprehension. But your assignment might be that you'll be in rags. Is someone getting what I'm saying? So the believer might be posted in different places. But he has nothing. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Another one is a movie. You see a movie now. You see, the highest paid in a movie, is he the biggest man in the movie? The role they give him to play might be the poorest in the movie. That's his role in the movie. But his net worth is unshaken. When they say cut, he retires to his prosperity. You are prosperous beyond what you can come. You are too blessed beyond what you know. It's Christians who don't know God that want to carry their wealth into their movie. They say this is the role you're going to play. He said, but I'm a big man. Are we getting it now? This is Christianity. So you can't look at someone and say this person, no. You see, you must be true to yourself. You must be true. Look at these things and look at it realistically. I asked someone a question the other day. Who has four children here? Four. <laughs> Better stop there. <laughs> okay. 
Okay, you even have champion five. Now, now let me ask you, any of these parents with four or five children, can they, you know, assuming now the children need uh, Fanta Orange, okay, can they, in a normal, if they are normal, can they give one, grown-up children, give one one bottle of Fanta, and give one the same bottle with water inside? Give another one the same bottle with uh, bitter leaf water inside. Give another one. Do you understand what I'm saying? Would they do that? What would they do? They'll give all of them one. Fanta equally. You know why? Because each of those four or five are their children. Now, why do you think God, our father, will come and make you now a billionaire? You're his son. Come now and make you. Who will I now use? A billionaire. If I want to use sorry, I say make the person no vex for pastor. <laughs> and now make pastor a pauper. Whereas three of us are his children. And he's not lacking in resources. Have you ever asked that question? Why will he do that? If not that, it doesn't matter. If not that in the real sense of it, all of us, the Bible says we are joint heirs with Christ. In our inheritance, we are all equal. It doesn't matter what you're working on now. In our inheritance, we're all equal. When we get to heaven, what we're going to be answering is Jesus. If it were not so, the pastors that are in the villages, pastoring 10 people, there'll be eternal failures. But do you know what? They might actually labor, have labored more. Praise the Lord, somebody. You, you must understand this thing. So you, you might be in some stage in your life now. Don't read your mail from the enemy's trans translation. Allow God to translate your life for you. Let nobody come out and make you feel downcast. You're not successful. Successful based on whose standard? Christian success checklist. Name your pastor. Name your church. Name your address. No. God is our father. Except you're saying God is unjust. Or rather, maybe he's not unjust, but he's limited in resources. He can't bless you and bless me. No. It's assignment. Tell yourself it's assignment. And I'm going to do it well. I'm going to do it well. I won't fail him. Because a time is going to come when the book will be opened. And then I'll say, hey, now you finish the assignment coming. He said, well done, that good word. And faithful servant. Enter into the joy. The joy. The joy. That's when we enter. Now we're just carrying out. May the Lord strengthen us in Jesus' name. Exodus 33, from verse 1. Exodus 33, verse 1. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your descendants, I'll give it. And I'll send my angel before you, and I'll drive out the Canaanites, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzites, the Hevite, and Jebusite. He said, go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. And when the people heard this bad news, they mourned, and no one put on his ornaments. For the Lord has said to Moses, say to the children of Israel, you're a stiff-necked people. I could come up into your midst in one moment and consume you. Now, therefore, take off your ornaments that I may know what to do to you. So the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by Mount Horeb. Praise God. 
Let's come to 12. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Notice whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I found grace in your sight, show me your way, that I may know you, and that I may find grace in your sight, and consider that this nation is your people. 14. And he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, Moses said to him, to the Lord, if your presence does not go with us, do not what? Bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us, so we shall be what? Separate your people and I from all the people who are what? Upon the face of the earth. See what is happening here. From verse 1 to 6, the Lord said, Moses, not a problem. I've made a promise to Abraham. I've made a promise to your fathers. I'm going to give you the, the promise. Okay? So just get the people ready. Um, um, Angel Okonkwo, come and please guide them to the land. Because if I come in there, if I come in there, I can just get, you know, you can provoke me and I just wipe out, out all of you. And that was what it was. I don't know the reaction of the people, but they will ask, are we still making the journey? They say, yes, they're still making the journey. Everybody's getting ready for the trip. But Moses said something, which we read further than. Moses said, <laughs> now listen to the analysis of the deep thing about what Moses said. Remember, this is the land of who? The Perizzites, the Hittites, and all of them. Now, what will be the testimony? This is where I'm, I'm still going with this other, you know, thing that people value as Christian. What would be the testimony if the Perizzites are removed from the land and the Israelites take over? What's the big deal? Secondhand land. Have you ever thought about it? Secondhand land. The land was not to be created. People were there. So if the angel leads them and they take over the land, uh -huh, they, somebody was living there. And then they drove them away and took over. So that's the story we will be telling for generations. That's all. Moses said no. That's why he said, he said, how shall it be known that we are your, and that we are different? If it's just possession of land, don't bother. I want you, God, to distinguish me from all the peoples of the earth. Brethren, that must be your desire. It's not just the blessing. It's not, I mean, what is it that you can have in this world that somebody has, hasn't had? He said, you get the land, go. But Moses said no. What will I tell the truth? What will I tell people? How will we be different? Eh? How are we going to be different? He said, Lord, if your presence will not go with us, it's not worth it. Let's not go anywhere. People of God, that is the foundation that every Christian must look for. Lord, bring me to the place where if your presence is not in anything, let me not desire it. If your presence is not anywhere, let me not want, no matter what is there. It's been rightly said, we sang the song tonight, your presence is what? Heaven to me. Your presence is heaven. David was a king. In the time David was a king, kingship, there were no ex-kings. There were either dead kings. That's once you became king, the only way out of the position is to die. When he sinned against the Lord and he became known, 
David could have been asking the Lord, please. Because in such moments is when rebellion will rise up and then the king is taken away. David said to the Lord in that moment, he said, Lord, please take not your Holy Spirit from me. That's a king praying. He didn't say, don't remove me from the position. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. He said, restore to me the joy of your salvation. This is a man who, his life was at stake. His kingdom was at stake. His generation was at stake. Because if they took him off, they will wipe off anything named David. Even his cousins, even aunties. They wipe off everything. So that no rebellion will rise up against him. But that didn't matter to him. He was saying to God, you are my treasure. You are my priority. If I have you, like he said in another place, he says, I'd rather be what? A doorkeeper in your house than stand and be in the tent of... He was saying something that you and I need to ask. Why? Why am I not saying that? People of God, this is foundational. So when our Lord Jesus Christ begins to say, this is eternal life, that you may know God, that you may know him, the only true God, and Jesus Christ... You see, it's saying something. Why is that so? When Moses makes this statement in the text we read, let me tell you, Moses was not being, um, he was not being deep in a sense. I wanted to use spiritual, but let me use it just on quote, okay? He was not just trying to be spiritual by saying, unless your presence goes with us. Remember, Moses is the one that, the Holy Spirit helped to pen the book of Genesis, isn't it? So imagine now, um, um, the King David, please come. Uh-huh. And um, I have this in my hand, okay? And I have um, Momichi's phone in my hand. Momichi's phone is worth, worth more than my own, okay? And... But you know that in my phone, eh, if I give you any of this, you will have access to whatever is inside of them. Praise the Lord. This phone is what, let's say, 1,000 times this phone. Praise the Lord. On the surface. But when you get this phone, you can access my account. And in my account, there is 1 million times more money in my account than what is in Momichi's account. Which phone will you desire? Which one will you desire? The one that is more expensive? Now, let me tell you. You know what? Moses knew that the one who spoke and the heavens and the earth were made. Why should I leave him in the wilderness and start going to a promise? So when he was saying, God, if you're not going with me, he was not, he was not despised. He knew what he was doing. He said, well, oh Lord, have mercy. He said, why would I leave the creator who with a word spoke it into being and go for his product? Is it good? <laughs> Let the product remain. I will stay here. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, this is Christianity. You know why? Because God has blessings for you. And those blessings will proceed from his presence, not a place. It won't come from a place. In fact, there is no blessed place. Is a blessed position in him. In Christ. In Christ. We are blessed in Christ. There's no, it's in him. Abraham understood this. 
when his, the headsmen of Lot and the headsmen of Abraham were having contention. And there was a blessed land. The land lush green. Flat land. No trouble for the herds to feed on. And Abraham, knowing God, who has said to him, come, let's go on a journey. Said to Lord, choose anyone. How many of us can say that? You would have done the analysis. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You would have done the inspection and calculated what is stored in the land. But Abraham didn't care. You know why? He knew the I am. And he knew that whatever was left, if the I am was with him, it will be blessed. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So when the Bible says some things to you, it's not to deny you. It's to make sure the presence remains with you. When he says forgive, when he says do not quarrel, when he says give, every word of God is designed to bring the presence to you. Many times they will look like they are taking the blessings away from you. Yes, many times they take the blessings away, but they bring the blesser to you. Rogers was sharing with us that get connected and was asking a question and the spirit of the Lord gave me the answer to his question. He was asking because if this thing is true, then the world must hate us, isn't it? I said, yes, it's part of the plan. And you look at Joseph now. In the case of Joseph, Joseph had suffered. I mean, from where he came from, being a houseboy for the time he had been a houseboy, nobody in his position would want to go down again. He wants to be ascending. Hope was rising. Praise the Lord. But they had to test him and see whether he still values the presence of God more than his liberty. So when that test came, it was to know, Joseph, what premium do you put on the presence of God? That's why he refused Potiphar's wife. He knew what it would cost him. But you know what? You know what? It was also a test from above. What was that test from above? Because God said, if you value my presence, I will bring you what you value. So Joseph took a stand that will make him suffer. But remember what he said. I cannot commit this sin against God. He was saying, let me suffer. But let me have the presence of God. And little did he know that that was where Pharaoh was going to hear about Joseph from. People of God, the secret things have been made known to us. It's not difficult. So Moses says, I, unless you go with me, he knew. How would he know all they'll meet on the journey? How will he know all the things that will be involved? So he said, no, no, no. God, you started this thing. You know, and if anybody knew the power of God, Moses knew the power of God. Praise the Lord. He, he understood what it was. He led an army without a weapon. All he knew was God says do this. God said, raise your hand. He raises his hand. Things begin to happen. So he had come so much to value. And that's where the born again created. That is faith. That is where faith starts. When you come to know whom you have believed. When this God is not just God for You know the creator as the one who is on your side. I mean, just look at this simple thing we've looked at the way. If the creator is with me and I'm about to lose a business, why should I lose sleep? If the creator is with me and someone who wanted to marry me is not serious and he's trying to touch different places and I slap him, even bite, Baba. Slap, slap and bite together. Eh? Will I be feeling, hey, I've lost my, uh, my season. How can I lose my season when I have my God? 
Do you understand? He changes times and seasons. He will throw away that season. That remembrance of that season will be hallelujah. Do you understand what we're saying? The value. So you and I begin to appreciate. And you know what, people of God? When the Bible says worship, that's what it's talking about. Because the word worship is from the word worth. Now, the Christian who knows the worth of the presence of God will be a worshiper. And do you know how he's going to worship? I mean, we bless God for the nice voices because they help. But his worship or her worship is going to be choices that covet the presence of God. So every time you make a choice, coveting the presence of God, you're worshiping. You know why? Because you're valuing his worth above the other things you're rejecting. So this thing that they say that, um, you know, someone is gifted, but the life is not clean. The, the person is not a worshiper. He's just a gifted person. Because when you know the value of the presence of God, you will make every kind of choice for him. And that is worship. Because you are putting him side by side with whatever is contending for you. With whatever they are dangling before you. So it's the value. And this value informs every other thing. It informs every other thing. So we are called worshippers. Because these are people who have come and they've looked at life and they've seen the worth of an approval of God upon their lives. So when circumstances come, they ask themselves, would this cost me his presence or will this increase his presence in my life? Simple. It makes every decision easy. Would this draw me nearer to him or will this take him further away from me? You know, we, we said some time ago that the greatest thing that is happening in our world today now is the Holy Spirit with us, but we haven't even begun to understand it. And still talking about this love and presence and all of that. When the Bible says, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Do you know I can't grieve uh, Sister Vicky there from here? The word grieve implies there is close contact. When it says don't grieve, it means he's so intimate. He's so close to you. He's so involved. I can grieve my wife because we are close. Praise the Lord. I can't grieve the man selling uh, orange. I may annoy him. But uh, you see, grief means the pain that enters inside. And that pain enters because I was looking out. I was trying to help you. Why did you push me like this? Are you getting in there? So when the Bible says, don't grieve the whole, it's saying, know his value. Don't make any move. Don't say anything. Don't act in any way. Don't watch anything that will make him have to unwillingly leave you. Are you getting it? He said, you covet his presence to the extent that you just want him. He might make you behave like a wacko person. Because people won't understand. They won't understand what you're getting. You don't want to grieve him. It's like you call a nursing mother that has um, maybe baby a few months old. Okay? And you call the nursing mother. And you're cracking jokes. And the mother is saying, eh, it's fine. You know what I'm saying? You don't want to raise your voice so that the baby won't wake up. Not that what you're saying is not interesting. She is in company of a baby that is sleeping. Who sleeps, she values more than what you're saying. If you don't pick it on time, she will call the phone. I understand. She'll be talking on low tones. She'll be wondering, what's wrong with you? If you now inquire, say, my baby is sleeping. When you go from here, there are situations that arise up. You just say, the Holy Spirit is dwelling in me. It will end every country. The Holy Spirit is dwelling in me. I can't answer you. <laughs> I can't even be angry. 
the Holy Spirit is dwelling in me. I don't, it's worship. You have come to know his value. You have come to know how much is what. So Moses begins to say, no, no, no. Don't take us. Don't take us. Don't, don't just bless me. Be with me. Because when you're with me, I will be blessed. Praise the Lord, somebody. Praise the Lord. As we try to round up, you know, for tonight, it's important we get some of these foundations because it will help us in life. It's not the end, but it's the process. Now, how does this translate to the present day current challenges that I'm facing? Let me help you understand how it does. Like I think our brother said here, First Peter 2.9 says, but you are what? A chosen generation. You can put it on the screen for us. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own what? Special people. Just stop there. Now, do you believe that about yourself? God has chosen me. Romans 8 tells us that he whom he foreordained, he also justified. I mean, these are things that begin to make sense now. So you begin to think about it. So this is my, uh, unquote, yeah, yeah, life that I'm living. That I don't even know how to, you know, uh, maybe it's rent or school or whatever. You mean that I'm this special to God? You know immediately what it transforms to? He has a plan. Because the attack the enemy brings is when things are difficult, he says you're forsaken. Or even brings the other one, you're not good enough. The good thing about working with God is that none of us were good enough. Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 6. It says, for you are a holy people to the Lord your God. He said the Lord your God has what? Chosen you to be what? A people for himself. A special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. Verse 7. The Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were what? More in number than any other people. For you were the least. So this one now we can read it. The Lord did not choose me because I'm good. He did not choose me because I'm better. He didn't choose me because I can sing. He didn't choose me because I can speak. He didn't choose me because I can jump. No. He chose me because he loved me. That's it. It's called choosing. Praise the Lord. He has chosen me of his own work. The verse 8 tells us why he chose us. Look at verse 8. Verse 8 says, but what? Because the Lord loves you. Now, that is the foundation of the relationship. So, will God choose me without my qualification? And then along the road, disqualify me for my qualifications. Our Lord Jesus speaking to us says, remember you have not chosen me. But I've what? I've chosen you. And I've what? Appointed you, ordained you. To do what? To go and bear fruit. So that's the second part of that. So we now see, no matter what you are going through, people of God, no matter what I am going through, as long as we are chosen, there is a second part to it. And the second part to it is where we saw now. Okay, let's see First Peter 2.9 captures it. Or we go to the uh, one our Lord Jesus Christ said. He said, you have not chosen me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should what? Now, look at this. We said we are learning this thing. So, we established foundations. So, I know now, people of God, that assuming, God forbid, I've mentioned Nick uh, Vijokik, the man without arms. He comes into this life without arms and legs. The battle he has to fight is, so God hates me. Does God hate me? Why do my siblings, why do my friends, why do everybody have hands and why don't I have legs? But when he pierces through that darkness and says that God chose him, do you understand? The question 
that becomes the next thing should be. So why did he choose me as I am? Are you with me? This scripture says, I chose you and I appointed you that you do what? You should go and bear fruit. It means, size and mass, that no matter the circumstance that I currently find myself in, I am to do what? And you know why? It's intentional. I'll try and close here. There's so much you haven't touched. I don't know. I'll try and It's intentional. Can I ask you a question? Joseph, was it his banging on the gates of the prison that brought him out of jail? Do you know what brought Joseph out of jail? Do you know? Fruit bearing. Joseph must have learned that if God allowed me to be put in prison, then what fruit can I bear in prison? And he saw that in prison, everybody used to be depressed. So every day, Joseph would wake up in prison, not outside, and be saying, why are you downcast? It will be well, you know? And we'll be encouraging them one after the other. And became a minister to all of them. He must have been the least justified person to be in prison. But he went around in prison bearing fruit. Why? Because he said, if I'm here, there must be a plan. It's not abandonment. Help me tell your neighbor, it's not abandonment. It's not even generational curse. The devil is a liar. You see, when you take those things, you miss the highway out. It's not it. It's to bear fruit. He said, you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, called for to do what? To proclaim the praises. It means everywhere I'm planted. My God who chose me is saying, praise me here. Can I read the Bible? See the account of saints that wherever they found themselves in, they gave praise. Chains couldn't hold them. Nothing could hold them down. Because there was no darkness in their life. He was not there wondering. Is it my father that caused this thing? Is it my mother? No. He was just bearing fruit. And that's what the Lord is calling us to. That's what the Lord is raising us to. Where together with his presence, we know that wherever, whatever, however, if you see where Moses was speaking to the Lord, he didn't say to the Lord, tell me when. That's another thing we're going to deal with in some time. Time. Listen to me, people of God. Ideally, if it were possible to live in a, a world without wristwatch, the Christian shouldn't have wristwatch because the mere fact God is eternal means God does not consider time. God is eternal. Eternal means what? I don't even know whether it means timeless. It's beyond timeless. God is eternal. So if you worry about time, you're going to have problems. You're going to have problems. David would kill Saul if he was worried about time. It wasn't two days after he went into the wilderness that he saw him and didn't kill him. Do you understand? Time was passing and he was getting old. The Christian must just take time. You see, just take time and treat time like it doesn't matter. See your mates, you just laugh. How many have been told see your mates? When next somebody says see your mates, tell him go to the cemetery. Your mates are there also. Do you understand what I'm saying? These are things. So you and I, we see the love of God. We see the value of God. And do you know what, brethren? Signs and wonders will begin to manifest. When we key into the pattern, signs and wonders will begin to happen. Let's not forget, Joseph had never interpreted a dream. Even his own dream, he was just telling it verbatim. But when you're 
pushed in by reason of obedience into where God wants you, he will supply everything you need. Because this is what you were foreordained for. So in the prison, automatically they told him he knew what to tell them. They told him he knew what to tell them. The gifts started manifesting. Many years ago, we preached a message in church that said, the gifts wait for the fruits. You see, I mean, I prayed that someday I'll be passing. You know, I went to the hospital the other day. I prayed for some sick people. I don't know whether they've been healed and all of that. And I'll keep praying because I believe God heals. Praise Him. And also pray that someday I'll just be passing. You know, and the dead will be jumping up. Praise Him. And the poor will be getting just a lot. I was listening to a man of God. He was my friend on Facebook, so I was reading. He said he told them that some of them will get a lot before to Roman. And this person got a lot. I just, you know what I do. <laughs> Praise God. Okay, so the gifts, the Bible says, covet earnestly the best gifts. So very important you do. But you know what? You don't have to wait far. The fruits, you can start manifesting them today. You can start being kind today. You can start being forgiving today. For Joseph, he did not go there and start swelling, swelling, swelling until he would point on someone. He just went to, how are you? You can start being helpful today. Do you understand? You can start being compassionate today. That one, you don't need to go to the mountain and come down and do that. You can start doing that one today, today. And you know what? When those ones proceed, I'm telling you, gifts will come. Let's bow our heads as we go to the Lord in prayer. As we just go to the Lord, I like you can sit down. Let it just stand up if you want. It's okay. Then let it just be a moment of intimacy. I want you to leave here, you know, receiving the love of God. Re receiving the gift of his presence. Let tonight be a fresh garden of Eden experience for each and every one of us. The, the psalmist began to say Psalm 139. He says, Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. He says, You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts afar off. He said, You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways not me me he said there's not a word on my tongue but behold oh lord you know it all together he says you have hurt me behind and before and you have placed your hand laid your hand upon me such knowledge is too wonderful for me it is high i cannot attain it where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into the heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there, your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall follow me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness, the problems, the circumstances cannot hide from you. But the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. For you form my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. There is a plan for my life. Marvelous are your works. 
and that my soul knows very well he says my frame was not hidden from you i'm well designed for my function when i was made in secret skillfully wrought what is wrought are weapons tools instrument skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth your eyes saw my substance and approved it before it was formed and in your book they all were written the days fashioned for me when as yet there was none of them 17 and i could he says how precious also are your thoughts to me oh god how great is the sum of them brethren let's just worship him this is your god it's not the pastor's god it's not the big man's god it's not the preacher's god it's not your neighbor's god this is your god thinking on you loving on you looking to you working out a plan for you he says yes that's what we're saying towards us as a church towards this nation towards my family towards my children towards everything that concerns me you have their thoughts their thoughts their thoughts there is a design there is a design you've been listening to a message by pastor Ike Naokeke of the father's church we are sure you've been blessed we invite you to worship with us at Eden Center Banex Guarimpa Expressway near next Kashinkari Abuja for telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-1588404 you can find us online at www.thefatherschurchonline.org God bless you